Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. Welcome to another edition of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrera alongside Levin Black. Zane Nackby couldn't join us, but he's going to offer some thoughts once we get rolling into this episode. And Levin, the draft is over. It is concluded. All the picks have been made. The trades have been made. It was a crazy draft for the 49ers. They didn't make a single pick where it was originally slotted, which is kind of hard to believe. So we talked about the first round picks already in last week's episode. There's a ton more to get to because the 49ers were very active, like I said. What is your first blush reaction now that the 2020 draft is completed? You know, I'm kind of surprised, but the more I've sat with it, and at this point we've had a couple days, the more I've sat with it, the more I like what the Niners did. The overall, including everything, all the trades, all five of them, which is just amazing to me, by the way, that I think that shows that they got the right GM. There's been a lot of talk about they clearly have the right coach because Kyle Shanahan is an offensive genius. Hasn't been as much talk about John Lynch. I think it's very clear they are a great match and John Lynch has a lot of respect from the league. To be able to pull off five trades in a draft weekend shows the strengths that he brings to that uh, role. So overall, though, I really do like how the team came out. They solved, I think, all the issues pertaining to 2020 with obviously the only thing they didn't truly address is cornerbacks, but that's a 2021 issue. All right. So you just said something that sparked my interest because I was going to ask this and you led perfectly into it. Right now, do you think the 49ers are better than they were last year or worse than they were last year? That's a tough one because I think defensively, they have to be worse. You, you don't replace DeForest Buckner with a rookie and come out even or ahead. It doesn't, doesn't matter who you took. DeForest Buckner is, he's not an Aaron Donald. He is the next class. There's a couple of guys in that next class, but he is in that next class at DT. And he really opened things up for other guys. He's why Armstead was able to get double-digit sacked. Make no mistake about it, DeForest Buckner is a better defensive tackle than Eric Armstead. And I don't think you'd get anybody but a homer arguing that at this point. And that's actually one of the things that's really bothered me in the aftermath is people are starting to talk down DeForest Buckner on Twitter is mainly where I'm seeing that. And I really don't like that because, look, the guy's great. Just because he's gone doesn't mean you start detracting from what he was. So defensively, the Niners have to be worse, but I don't think it's by much. Offensively, I don't think there's any argument going the other direction. They have to be better on offense. Really? Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, they have, you got Jimmy Garoppolo. He has a year under his belt now, Mm -hmm. a full year, no injuries, nothing else, full year under his belt. You have the running position figured out better. You're not going to be starting the season with Coleman picking up a bunch of carries like they were. You're going to have Mostert getting it from the start, even though he still won't be a bell cow. But they're going to be, it's not going to be figuring out the rotation there. They already have it figured out at this point. And I don't think there's any argument. The receivers have to be better. 
Because last year you got nothing from Jalen Hurd due to injury. You got nothing from Trent Taylor due to injury. And while I'm not counting on either one of them, you would expect them to at least be able to play some. So that's an improvement. And I think Ayuk is definitely a big improvement. I think he fits a lot of what the Niners needed. Plus you have Debo one year under his belt. So he's going to be improved. He's going to be more like the player you saw in the second half of the season. And on top of that, you have all these other guys that had time to learn, even though they didn't play. You just, to me, I, I think the receiver core is a lot better. And then you look at the offensive line, which we'll get into a, a lot more in depth later on. I think they're as good on the offensive line. So you got a better quarterback, better receivers. You know your running back positions better. The only other thing there is is offensive line, which I don't think is a downgrade, if at all, maybe a tiny, tiny downgrade. Overall, you got a better offense. So I'd say they're they're on par. They have a slightly worse defense, a slightly better offense. Overall, I think they're on par. I think that their running back situation is not settled, honestly, because last year you had Coleman and Breida and Mostert and Wilson, but this year Breida's gone, okay, but you've still got Coleman, you've got Mostert. Now you're throwing McKinnon into this mix. Who knows what? I mean, McKinnon was supposed to be the guy before he got hurt. He was going to be, everyone was all excited about how good Jarek McKinnon was going to be. And so now that he's back, I feel like they're still going to have to feel that process out a little bit. So I'm not, I'm not so sure the running back position is settled. I do think Jimmy Garoppolo well, the, will be I think better. there'll be a little bit. There'll be a little bit of figuring out the running back position, but it's only in a better way than there was because you have Mostert. You know you have something to count on there. And if McKinnon can come back to what they thought he was going to be, that's just the cherry on top. They're still better off overall. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm not so sure. I think that I think offensive line they're going to be better, but I think the quarterback they're going to be better. Running back, I, most are still going to be good. I just don't think the rotation is settled. Receiver, if they get anything out of Hurd and Taylor, they're going to be better. I agree with you there, I, especially Trent Taylor. I, I really think that he had chemistry with Garoppolo. I think that he could fill a role for them that they didn't really have. I mean, if all goes well for the offense, this could be one of the hardest offenses to prepare for because you're going to have Taylor in the slot. You're going to have Debo basically everywhere, potentially doing anything on any play. Yushek can play in any formation and you don't know what the hell he's going to do. He could split out wide and become a wide receiver, you know, a receiver on a play. If, if it goes the way Kyle Shanahan envisions, I think the offense is going to be just a nightmare for teams. Defensively, they're not going to be better, like you said. It was a historic year last year. They lost one of their key players. I know they replaced him with a rookie, but he's still a rookie. I think the secondary is going to be worse than they were last year. Sherman's another year older. I don't know what we're going to get out of the other cornerback spot. Kella Witherspoon could be great, and he can be terrible. And they didn't really do much to address the secondary. So defensively, I think they're going to be worse. They might be... Yeah, I, don't, I, I think if anything, you have to say they're maybe as good, probably worse. I don't know how you could say overall the team's better than they were last year. No, I, I think it, they're on par, mainly because that receiver group should be much improved. I mean, look at what they had last year. They had a rookie starting out the year, and that was basically it. Kittle was banged up all year, and then they got Emmanuel Sanders midway through the season. They got to be better at the receivers overall including the tight ends. So let's get to the offensive line since we both sort of touched on it. The, one of the biggest stories of day two of the draft, the 49ers getting Trent Williams 
from Washington. Joe Staley keeping his retirement quiet. The 49ers playing a little, uh, let's just call it John Lynch straight up lying to everybody when he said he saw nothing or heard nothing that said that Staley wasn't going to be back. He clearly knew he wasn't going to be back. Peter King had it in his Football Morning in America column that Jason Light knew that Joe Staley probably wasn't going to be back. So, I mean, certain teams had some inkling. But the 49ers pull off a deal to get arguably the best left tackle in the league when he was playing for a fifth rounder in 2020 and a third rounder in 2021. Pretty good all for the 49ers in terms of what they had to give up to get an elite player. Right. I mean, that, that, that trade is what made the weekend. Without that trade, I think the tone would be completely different. I think there'd be a lot of doom and gloom about this team saying the offensive line is going to ruin everything because you would have a big question mark at right guard. And the guy who's supposed to be filling in a right guard would also be your answer at the tackle position, that being Brunskill. It, well, he can't fill both spots. So there'd be a massive question on the offensive line. And Shanahan can say what he wants about their plan if they couldn't get the Trent Williams trade was to draft the tackle they ended up with. I, you're not going to fill Joe Staley's shoes with a fifth-round tackle. I don't care what you said. That was not <laughs> your, your plan. That, to me, is a bold-faced lie by Shanahan. That's talking up his prospect. That's coach speak yeah. to me. That's A.J. Jenkins is going to be a great player, right? <laughs> well, that, oh, that, that's just... That is a sore subject. I mean, <laughs> wow, what a waste of a draft pick. But, but yes, McKivich was not the answer. I've not heard his name pronounced. I can't remember how they pronounced it on draft night, and I forgot to look it up. It's McKivich, right? McKivich. Kivitz, got it. No, I agree. All these Zs. What is with the Niners and Z name? <laughs> it's consonants, man. They love consonants. I don't know. Um, no, I agree with you that the idea that they could that they were just going to plug a fifth round guy in there is a, a little nuts. I think we all knew that that was not going to go well for them. Um, I think that what you've seen in this draft, the 49ers philosophy is very clear. I mean, Kyle talked about it afterwards. They clearly believe that you build a team through the lines and go from there. They understand that that's the foundation of the team. And something Kyle said that really struck a chord with me. He said basically. And uh, clearly, I'm paraphrasing. I can come up with the offense. Like, I'll scheme the offense up. We can make it work. You can't do that with defense. He said only a few guys can really manufacture a defense that way. If you're going to win defensively, you just have to be better than them. You have to be more talented. You have to out-physical them. And I think that's what they did last year. And I think they said to themselves, we, that's why they went Kinlaw where they did, because their philosophy is we can't make it up, basically. And so it, it was surprising to me to hear an offensive guy like Kyle Shanahan say that. And to me, it really crystallizes just their thought process and their, how they made their decisions in this draft. Well, not to compare them to a dynasty, but in a lot of ways, that's what the Patriots were always doing, just on the opposite side. They were saying, hey, we got Bill Belichick. He's a defensive genius. We're going to take care of the offense. That's why... They had a Rob Gronkowski and an Aaron Hernandez. That's why they made a trade for Randy Moss. You know, we're, we're going back in time here a little bit, but you know, that, that's why they, they took care of the offense more so than the defense because they knew they could manufacture defense because they have a defensive genius over there. And I think that's truly what it comes down to. It's not necessarily talent. It's 
where do you excel so much better than anybody else? Like, I don't think there's any mistake in saying that Shanahan is one of, if not the best offensive coach in the league. He can manufacture offense. Defensively, Robert Salah cannot manufacture defense without having superior talent. And that was proven in 2017 and 2018. Finally, in 2019, he had the talent. And wow, look at the defense. That's the difference between having a truly unique once-in-a-generation coach on one side of the ball. That's a very good point. You can lean on that. And I think it's what the 49ers have done with Shanahan. I think it's honestly what the Rams have done with Sean McVay. I mean, you don't, I don't look at the Rams offense and think, wow, those are the most talented guys I've ever seen. Um, but it, if you've got the guys that can do it, you know, you take advantage of that. Now, one discussion I wanted to get into you, with you, because we sort of got into it on Twitter a little bit, and we mentioned the offensive line. Somebody said, I don't think it was you who said it, but somebody suggested that the 49ers build a statue of Joe Staley and Frank Gore, basically like Gore jumping into Staley's arms after a touchdown. And you were 100% on board with it. And I'm 100% not. Why should Joe Staley and Frank Gore get a statue? Because I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Come on, man. We're not the Bengals. Why? It's, not a, it's not about that. I, I guess I'm not in, in the line of thinking you have to win a championship to get it. I'm in the line of thinking that if you have a generational player that means so much for such a long period of time, they should have a place in history. And I like statues, and there's tons of room around a stadium. I think statues are, they shouldn't be overdone, but I think quite a few teams could use a couple more. And that picture is so perfect because it's the all-time leading rusher in the franchise. It is a generational player. It is the third all-time leading rusher in the NFL who will be in the Hall of Fame, and Frank Gore, in the arms of a guy that spent 13 years in a Niners uniform, was synonymous with a specific period of time, two Super Bowl teams that might be in the Hall of Fame himself. I actually think he probably has a long shot at this point. I think it's easy to say, oh, he's definitely in the Hall of Fame. And I think a lot of fans are doing that. But truth is, he made six Pro Bowls. He only made one second team All-Pro. And to get in as an offensive lineman, it takes more than that. But we can talk about that more if you want, the legacy of Joe Staley later in the show. I just think that that statue is the two people that represent the last 10 to 15 years of the 49ers. And that's a long enough period of time that it would be perfectly fine to put a statue there. You're 100% right. They do represent the last 10 to 15 years of the 49ers. And you know what the last 10 to 15 years of the 49ers has been? Largely crap. It has been largely terrible, and that's not their fault by any stretch of the imagination. They're both great players. I agree. Gore's in the Hall of Fame. Staley probably won't get in, but he's he's in that group, I feel like, that's like as good as you can be without getting in, if that makes sense. Um, but we're the 49ers, and I feel like the, the bar is set, and it's championships. Not that they shouldn't be honored in some way. Sure, honor them. I'm all for that. Give them a Joe Staley day and a Frank Gore day. and. I know. I think Jed York said he doesn't want to retire any more jersey numbers, which to me is crazy because I, I would retire both of their numbers in a second. There are other ways that you can honor them. I'm all for that. Statues? Well, they do. They do. I looked that up. The Niners do have 
they're tied for the most retired numbers in the league. They're likely to fall to second because the team they're tied with is the New York Giants, who I would assume are going to retire number 10 for Eli Manning. But they have 12 retired numbers, so the Niners are kind of running up against it. Can't retire too many. There are restrictions by the NFL on what numbers people can wear based on position. Right. Yeah, and if you wanted to do a thing where you don't give the number out or whatever, or you... I kind of like the Cowboys tradition where if you're a wide receiver and you get 88, like that's an honor because of who's worn it before you. There are cool things they can do, but there are ways to honor Staley and Gore. That's fine. But, you know, look, coffee's for closers only. You want a statue? You got to get a ring. That, I mean, when you're talking about Ronnie Lott, Joe Montana, Bill Walsh, and Steve Young, I mean, that's who you're up against. You're up against some of the ghosts, the all-time ghosts here. And I know you guys were great, but I mean, Joe Staley... You didn't get it done. You get two bites at the apple. You didn't get it done. Frank Gore, you were close, but you got tackled by Ed Reed right about when you were about four yards away from going into the end zone against the Ravens at the end that would have given them the lead. I'm sorry. I can't give you a statue for that. Call me a jerk if you want, but I just feel like there's a higher bar than that for the 49ers. That would be neat if they actually bothered to have a bar. I mean, it took how long for that Joe Montana, Bill Walsh statue? They don't do statues. If I'm not mistaken, Steve Young doesn't have a statue. I don't believe he does, no. Which he absolutely should. Right. So get on it, Jed York. So you're going to give Joe Staley and Frank Gore a statue ahead of Steve Young? Well, Steve Young should already have it. I'm not saying Steve Young shouldn't. Steve Young's my all-time favorite player. Of course he should have a statue. The Niners need to do more. You know, the the whole, uh, I forget what they call it, but in the stadium where they have all the championship trophies and everything, that whole... That whole museum. Yeah. That's great. That's not enough. Do more. Celebrate your past. Hell, at this point, it's been, what, 26 years? I know the stadium's new, but it's not that new anymore. It's been, what, five, six years? The Levi Stadium's been old, mm-hmm. open? They should have opened the stadium with those statues. Get yep. it done. I mean, statues are, to me, they're phenomenal. I mean, they're, they're a, a thing to see. When you're going to the stadium, I don't understand why there aren't more, especially for the 49ers who have so many Hall of Fame. They had a true dynasty. They should be celebrating their past more. And I don't like I get your standpoint. I just don't agree. (laughs) I get that they didn't win a championship. I just don't agree. I think I think if it was just a statue of Joe Staley or just a statue of Frank Gore, it wouldn't be enough. But that photo is so perfect for a statue and is so perfect for the this era of 49ers that it should be done. Well, That's speaking of my opinion, then, but I would be have I think they need to do something, in my opinion, especially with, I mean, Joe Steely, it's not just that he was a good player for so long. I mean, the way that he kept it a secret to help the Niners make this trade, Williams trade, the way he was in the locker room, the, the Joe show. I mean, he had such a connection with fans. He went such a long way in creating the locker room that you got to do something. I did see one suggestion on my post about that statue. I went, you know, that might be better. And that was name the locker room after him. Ooh, I like that. That's good. Because he was so good in that locker room. Mm-hmm. Name the locker room after him. Yeah, you know what? I like that. That's that's a really nice thing to do. It. it- honors him in a way that's, like you said, relevant to his contribution to the franchise. I think that's pretty good. 
I like that move. See, we don't we don't need to fight about the statue. They're excellent. <laughs> exactly what I said. There are other ways that they could do it. There is one Joe Staley thing I want to talk to you about, um, and I'm going to do that in a minute. But first of all, Zane couldn't be with us tonight, but he did have some thoughts that he wanted to share with everybody, obviously about the offensive line and Joe Staley and some other things. So we'll let you hear from Zane. And then when we come back, I want to ask you one more thing about Joe Staley. I'm going to sort of put you on the spot a little bit, Levin. Wow, what a draft weekend. It was a draft unlike any other a virtual draft, obviously, because of COVID-19 and all of the concerns that people had. So kind of cool to see Roger Goodell in his basement, like, you know, just sitting in his lounge chair, handing out picks. And you got to see into coaches' homes, like Kyle Shanahan's home, John Lynch's home, Bill Belichick's home. You don't get that kind of access from any other sort of uh, medium. So it was kind of cool to see that. But, man, there's so much that happened with the 49ers guys and, and the things that they did. The Wheeling and Dean Lynch, John Lynch, again, uh, proved to to be able to do in his in his fourth draft the, the fact that the Niners basically were able and we did that we did the first two um, picks that the Niners had the first round we don't really need to get into that and, and repeat what we said but the wheeling and deal that he did after that to trade Marquise Goodwin to trade Matt Breida and get draft picks back for them even though teams knew that they would probably eventually have to release them the fact that John Lynch was able to get those draft picks and and do something with them was unbelievable. I think that the Trent Williams trade, uh, that's another huge thing that, that we can talk about. Uh, Joe Staley retiring is another huge thing that happened. I mean, it was just such an eventful draft day. And I, for me, I think I want to start with, with Joe Staley and his retirement. Uh, you know, one of those guys that's been there from the dark years, one of the last guys that was there from the Nolan years, one of the last guy that was there from the Harbaugh years, 13 years with the team. Just a consummate pro, six-time Pro Bowler, All-Pro player. He was one of those guys, team captain. He was one of those guys that was a foundation piece that they were talking about that they wanted to land in the draft. And I can't, for me, I, I was really attached to Joe Staley because you kind of feel like you grew as a fan with him. And you feel like he was able to be one of those guys that you could count on. Like, okay, left tackle Joe Staley. When, it, when the depth chart came out at the end of the draft or at the, at the beginning of the season, you would see Joe Staley's name on it every time. So I think that from a fan's perspective, you were sorry to see him go. But I think from even like a player's perspective, you see these guys like George Kittle put out that, that emotional tribute to him on, uh, on uh, social media shortly after the retirement. And the players like that, they, they feel a tremendous sense of like, okay, we lost a really big piece to our team. Richard Sherman, Mike McGlinchey, uh, you know, Kyle Juszczyk, all these guys are saying really, really great. They're Fred Warner. All these things, guys are saying really, really great things about him. And I think that that's going to be huge hold that they have to replace. Now, granted, Joe Staley, I think, in my opinion, was was kind of declining in his last year. But it was also because of a, a, a whole ton of injuries that he had. The neck condition that we're now finding out about, the broken leg that he had, just the fact that he's been putting in 13 years of NFL service, huge. So huge props to Joe Staley. Uh, going to miss him a lot. I think that they have a huge uh, hole that they had to fill. And guess what? They filled it with Trent Williams, who was one of the best left tackles in all of football. Sat out last year because of the contract dispute. I never thought that this would happen because Dan Snyder, we know he doesn't trade with the Shanahans. Dan Snyder, they had a falling out with him, obviously, when Mike Shanahan was the coach in Washington and Kyle Shanahan was there as well. They don't get along. This is well-documented. We know this. But Trent Williams wanted he wanted out because he, for various reasons, because of the contract and because of the fact that it's just a, a total train wreck over there. He wanted to be traded. 
he vetoed a trade to the Vikings earlier, ended up getting traded to the Niners. Um, and uh, it just worked out so well. I can't believe John Lynch pulled that off for a third and a fifth. So the fifth, one of the fifth round picks this year and a third next year. The good thing is that Trent Williams, if he, if he walks, the Niners get a comp, uh, that third round pick back as a comp pick next year. So you, you get something back for him if he walks. He is in the last year of his contract. They have said publicly that they're in no rush to renegotiate. Uh, Kyle Shanahan has also said publicly that they did draft his replacement, um, in, um, in this draft here. And I think that it's worth noting that if Trent Williams walks, they do have a replacement and Colton Mc, uh, McKivitz, um, from West Virginia and he can play both guard and tackle. So it was one of those guys that's super versatile, but Kyle Shannon did mention that McKivitz could play uh tackle if, uh, if there was no Trent Williams trade and Joe Staley was gone. So that's something to watch as well. But overall, I think that the Niners, you know, we don't really have to get in every pick and I don't want to bore you guys with that, but the Niners filled every single need that they had. They had a need at, at D tackle. They drafted Kinlaw, had a need at wide receiver. They got Ayuk. They had a need at tackle or, or guard. They got McKivitz. They had a need at tight end. They got Colton Werner, who's the, the blocking tight end at Georgia who blocked for, for Nick Chubb and uh, Sony Michelle over there. And he basically played like a fullback position. So uh, is, is Kyle Juszczyk going to leave next year? Is, is Werner going <laughs> to pick up for him? We, we, re- we really don't know. And finally, uh, Juwan Jennings, the, the last pick, who to me is one of my favorite picks in this draft because he's a big bodied receiver. He's got a lot of fight in him. He's got a really tough attitude. And I think that he's another one of those guys that if Jalen Hurd doesn't pan out, you've got another big bodied wide receiver. Um, you know, he can play in the slot. He's a really good red zone target because of that. So I think that in all in all, guys, they, they really, really did well to fill all the holes. All right. Thanks, Zane, for that. Hopefully, uh, we'll all be together in the next uh, episode. But Levin, it's time for me to put you on the spot because we've been talking about Joe Staley for a while. Joe Staley has played with 13 quarterbacks during his time with the 49ers. One, two, three, four. This is thrilling. Yeah, I believe it's 13. How many can you name? Let's see. He's drafted in 07. You're talking about starters? Nope. I just assume. Everybody. Everybody. We got guys that got into that threw a pass. Okay, well, obvious one's Alex Smith. Let me let me keep a tally here as I go through. That I don't go, wait, who did I name? All right, so Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. Kaepernick, obviously. Correct. Trying to remember his name, Gabbert. Yes, that would be Blaine Gabbert. Trying to remember who the third string was then. We had a third because Kaepernick was hurt. Knock I can't remember if there was a first man. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So Hoyer. Yep. And we got the obvious three that are still on with Jimmy. Yes. Good old Nick, who I won't say his nickname. Nick Mullins. <laughs> yes, Nick Mullins. Nick, Nick Chris Mullins. That's his nickname. <laughs> yes, uh, Nick Mullins. Jeez. Drawing a blank on, can see him. C.J. Beathard. I don't know why go. his name was just not popping in my head. You're off to so a pretty good start. Yeah, I got seven, so I'm missing six. They're all going to be the backups. Did he play with? He did. He had to have Troy Smith. Correct. Started that London game against the Broncos. He had to have played with Nate Davis. Nope. Had to have, or Nate Davis was never active roster, so you don't count him. 
Yeah, I think they had to have thrown a pass in a, in a regular season game. Well, I'm counting him because he went to Ball State and I was in college right, with him. Here we go. <laughs> Nate Davis, last in your program, first in our hearts. Eleven's heart. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm missing backups. You're missing some great 49er quarterbacks. I'm really disappointed oh, in you. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> God, one year this guy went into like, the season is this. I feel like if I if I if I can think of a a guy who is a backup, it will kind of trigger the rest of them. But all right, we were talking about retired think. numbers. This guy actually wore a number that was retired. It was unretired for him, so he could wear it. Number was twelve. It was retired for John Brody. Who wore twelve? His dear friend, former ESPN analyst. Oh, Dilfer. Dilfer. Uh, yeah. That's who I was forgetting. The Dilfer with Alex Smith. I was trying to think who was the backup in the early years of Alex Smith. Forgot all about Dilfer. I just got to say, when you look at this list of quarterbacks for the 49ers, (laughs) and then you hear people complain about Jimmy Garoppolo, like, do you not remember where we came from and how dark it was? Let me just read the rest of the names on the list, and you did a tremendous job. Is Ray one of them? No. Or was Ray gone already? I think he was gone already. So you didn't get Trent Dilfer. Uh, well, eventually you did. Chris Wenke, don't forget that. Really? Wenke was... I was. I thought of him, and I thought he was poor. Chris Wenke. Sean Hill, who I feel like is Diet Nick Mullins. Oh. Yeah, and then we have... Uh, oh, what's the name? Uh, J.T. O'Sullivan. J.T. O'Sullivan, who went into a season as the starter. And I remember thinking at one yep. point... Maybe maybe they got something here with J.T. O'Sullivan. No, maybe I'm yeah, an see, idiot. I was never a fan of him. And he stinks. <laughs> uh, and how about David Carr? You forgot about David. I'll never forget that Monday night game. I think it was a Monday night game when Alex Smith was stinking up the joint and the crowd was chanting on national television, we want Carr. Yeah. And I was chanting I had forgot about that, yeah. What and then the Alex heck? Smith actually started <laughs> to come back in that game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the quintessential alex smith 49ers moment i really do he's stinking up the joint there was a lot of that with alex smith in the 49ers uniform a lot the fans turned against him that was a big part of his experience but then he came back and he ended up being decent towards the end of that game which is exactly how he finished his career with the niners that's true that's the quintessential moment that is the quintessential joe staley moment when he when alex smith runs that bootleg Mm -hmm. out to the left against the saints and Joe Staley is flying around the edge. And I remember as they're going down the field, I'm like, he's got Staley there. And then I look and I see there's only one dude left to block and it's a defensive back. And I remember thinking, there's no way in hell Joe Staley is going to let this defensive back tackle Alex Smith. This is going to be a touchdown. And sure enough, Joe Smith laid him out. Alex Smith strolled into the end zone. And it was one of the great moments in 49er playoff history. Yeah, see, I remember that play differently because I was so zeroed in on Alex Smith. I didn't even see Joe Staley up there until replays. But I remember that them literally hiking that ball and thinking, what the (laughs) F are they doing? (laughs) Going, wow, you called that. Oh, wait, it's worked. Whoa, he's free. Wow, he's going to get a first down. Holy crap. I don't know what happened to that defender, but he's going to score. That was my reaction to that. Yeah, I had never kinda, seen that. It started out like, wow. And then as he's in the end zone, I thought, talk about the kahunas on Harbaugh to call that. 
Wow. Isn't it isn't it funny? So we go through this whole thing with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? And it's oh well, look how many runs they called in the Packer game. They don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, that was third down. If the Niners don't get it at that point, they're gonna have to kick a field goal, which would tie the score. And Jim Harbaugh doesn't let Alex Smith throw the ball. If Alex Smith gets tackled, the narrative is gonna be he doesn't trust Alex Smith, all this stuff. But instead they dial up this play. Alex Smith runs for a touchdown and it's just a fairy tale moment. It's just incredible, you know, the the different ways that things are received uh, based on the outcome of the play. Well, Harbaugh didn't trust Alex Smith. <laughs> Harbaugh doesn't trust anybody, which is part of his problem. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. So anyway, I just want to take a little stroll down memory lane there because I mean I started looking at those quarterback names and I was like, my God. Anybody that wants yeah, to say did it. not do it, it's odd to me. You can tell when I can tell when I graduated college and started working full time because from like nine nineteen since I became a let's say since I became a fan, mid nineties through the early two thousands, I can name just about every quarterback, I think. But then you get to two thousand nine when I entered the workforce full time and I came up with Barely half. <laughs> I mean, you can tell when I started having a life and could not sit and memorize pointless stuff anymore. I mean, some of those names are pretty freaking forgettable, though. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, Troy Almost Smith. all of those seasons are pretty freaking forgettable. That's what I'm saying, man. Uh, I don't think we're, I think we're going to be uh, a long way away from those. You know, it's funny. I was looking the other day at, the 49ers, the year after they, or two years after they went to the Super Bowl, right? So the, the eight and eight year with Harbaugh. And I was like, how did they go eight and eight? Let me look at the roster. There were so many weird freaking plays that happened that season that resulted in 49er losses. Remember, they're on the one yard line against the Rams with like no time left. And not only did Kaepernick get stopped on like third down or second down, and not only does it get stopped at the one inch line, he fumbles the ball and the Rams recover. And that's how that yeah. game ended. Wow, I forgot about it. That was the too late. Greg Roman game. I remember that because I'm thinking, where were these plays in the freaking Super Bowl when the Niners were two <laughs> yards away from winning? Now you're going to call it and give it to Kaepernick to run it when everybody knows it's going to happen. But when the Super Bowl was on the line and it was there to be had, you said, fade route, fade route, fade route. Oh, crap, we lost. Yeah. I remember I'd forgotten about that game, but I remember that goal line stand and going, yeah, too late. That Super Bowl wow. was the worst play calling it was the worst four plays sequence uh, that they had that entire year and may probably of the harbaugh regime to be honest with you it was hideous but i don't want to relitigate that but you're right it was a terrible thing anyway great job with the trivia by you i think you did spectacularly you left off a few names but otherwise a solid showing from you hopefully we'll be back next week with zane uh, we'll still take any, uh, any questions you want on Twitter. You can hit us up. I'm at stats on fire and Levin. You are something I still can't remember. Sports bum. Hey, you're getting there. Yeah. All right. Go me. By the way, if you like, us, if you like this podcast, like us, subscribe, review, tell one friend because, uh, we want your support. We need your support. We love having you. So thank you again to everybody listening. Hopefully we'll be back next week. And I hope you enjoyed this uh, edition of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast.